If you would open your Bibles with me this morning, we are going to be in the New Testament book of Matthew. We're going to be in chapter 20 and studying verses 20 through 28 this morning in a sermon series that we're con continuing called It's About Time. This morning I've titled this sermon, Give Time. There are, undoubtedly, there are some words or some phrases that I could say, and because they're, they're hard to hear, and they're going to make you cringe. What about um, something, oh, when somebody says this, we need to talk. Oh, yeah, what, oh, I just heard that, what comes to mind? Uh, what about, oh, I've heard, I've heard this, it's not you, it's me. You know, if, uh, if you've been in the job market before, you hear this one, and, and it hurts. We'll keep your resume on file. You know, what that means is you didn't get the job, and we're not going to call you, but we're going to, we're going to keep it on file, right? These phrases, they're hard to hear, but I want to give you a word that is actually going to make everyone in the, in the room cringe. I'm going to ask, guys, could we turn down the music in the background? Thank you. So there's a, a word that I'm going to say, and it's going to make everyone in here cringe, everyone watching online, thankful that you are watching online. Here it is. It's the word slavery. Something happens when I say the word slavery. And as, a, as a matter of fact, just saying the word a moment ago, I know that you started to think about, you started to think about the diversity of our church here and, and how that word is going to, how we're going to react to that as a church, how it might affect other people. But I want to ask you this, knowing what you know about slavery, what would it take for you to sign up and enter slavery voluntarily. I find it fascinating that nobody in this room raised their hands. But no one is going to say, I am going to voluntarily enter slavery myself physically, but for some reason we will do the exact same thing, though, spiritually. We will voluntarily become a slave to this world. We will voluntarily become a slave to culture. We will voluntarily become a slave to sin, but we wouldn't dare consider voluntarily, physically submitting ourselves into slavery. Some of us, every single time the cell phone rings, we, boom, we move because it says to move. We have become slaves in our culture to, to pride, sometimes to, to lifestyles, to addictions. But every time that one of these other gods or one of these other controllers calls on us, we know, we think that if we don't do it, we assume that there's going to be a punishment or there's going to be a loss of a privilege. Spiritually, we will voluntarily submit ourselves to slavery, but we wouldn't do it physically at all. You know, the root of the word slavery at the root, we understand there's the word serve. Think about, think about the people in our world who serve us, 
right? Maybe it's the, the waitress at a restaurant. Maybe it's the, the teenage kid who is skipping, uh, scooping ice cream for you and your family at Basket Robbins. Maybe it's the guy that you take your car to be washed by. There is, we've, we've got a term for, in economics, this is what we call the, the service industry. On the surface, it sounds very simple for me to come and to read a verse like Matthew 6, 24, and for us to just put a little bit of money in the box and say, okay, you know what, we're, we're good, we're, we've, we've taken care of this. Look what Jesus says. We're going to put this up on the screen. This is Matthew 6, 24. He says this, nobody can serve two masters. For either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, we're going to talk about more than just simply money this morning. I know you've heard that verse. And I know it's easy to, to write it off as, oh, that's just a Bible saying. We're going to, we're going to go deeper this morning when it comes to serving and we're going to start right here. Point number one in your notes, for those of you who are in-house, we actually have notes again for the first time in over a year. I'm excited about that. I hope you are. So on the back of your bulletin, point number one in your notes is this. All of your actions bring delight to a commander. All of your actions bring delight to a commander. Whether you recognize it or not, Everything that you do is at the request of somebody or something in authority. You, you can tell yourself that all of your actions are under God's commands, but that's going to lead us to go back to God's commands and see if they actually are, right? It's going to lead us to see, are our actions, are we serving God? Is what we are doing bringing delight to God? Because if they are not... We are bringing delight to somebody, to some commander. We are bringing delight to the world, the culture. Be assured that somebody finds joy in everything that you do. Who finds joy in your actions? Who is the commander of your movements? I'm not just talking about the movements when you were here, when you were in Bible study. I'm talking about the, the movements of your everyday life, of your habits, of lifestyle. You know that the word serve shows up in the Bible 209 times. We, we find this, uh, it, it's, a, it's from the Greek word, uh, diakonos. It's where we get our English word deacon from. In the church, a deacon is somebody who serves, doesn't get paid, but is somebody who is under the, the influence or it, it's, is somebody who executes commands of another. It might, be, it might be a pastor, it might be an attendant or a minister. A deacon is somebody who serves. But it seems like in our culture, we dislike the idea of service so much that we gloss over it in the Bible. We read phrases or verses that tell us things like this. It might say, fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all of your heart. And what we do is we substitute this word. We see serve and we see heart and we substitute it with love. And we say things like, you know, um, 
loving God and serving God, it's the same thing. If I love God, I serve God. They are not the same thing. You can love God and not serve God. Service is the opposite of inaction. Service is the opposite of watching. Let me tell you what giving and service require. They both require a physical and intentional action. I want to say that again. Giving and service both require a physical and an intentional action. I want you to turn with me. Those of you at home, you've got a Bible in your app to Matthew chapter 20. We're going to see Jesus here speaking to his students. And he's actually teaching on service and on serving. So, Jesus and his disciples, they're wandering around the, the mountainside. They're going. He has a plan. He knows where they're going. But two of his disciples are these brothers, James and John. Okay, Jesus calls them the sons of thunder. He, he, he had met them out of the lake. They were fishing with their dad. And now Jesus and his disciples are wandering and... James and John, their mom actually comes into the story. Let me ask you a question. When you were a kid, when you were maybe a teenager, did your mom ever call your boss and call in sick for you? Oh, okay. I hear that little giggle. That means yes. That means yes. I had mom call in sick for me. Did your mom ever get into your business with your boss or with your teachers? Wrote that note, sorry about the homework. She was sick, right? That's exactly what the mother of James and John is about to do. Here's the thing. She gets it. She knows that Jesus is going to bring a new kingdom before all of Israel, and she does what a mom would do. She wants to take care of her boys. So maybe Jesus and the disciples are walking and and James and John, their, their mom comes up, finds Jesus, runs up to him, and kneels down in front of him. This is technically their boss, technically their rabbi, their teacher, and she kneels down in front of Jesus, and he says this, uh, what do you want? I know, it seems kind of crude, but that's the way it comes in our translation. What do you want? And we're going to pick up the story in Matthew chapter 20. I'm in verse number 21. She said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. See what she's doing? She's standing up, right? She's going to bat for her boys. Jesus answered, yeah, You don't know what you're asking. Jesus goes on to have this conversation with the boys and mom and basically says, hey, you know what? I know what you're asking, but that's not up to me. Um, that's up to the father. That's his call. And so maybe mom left and James and John go back to the huddle of all the other disciples and watch this. The other disciples, the other 10 guys, they're a little bit upset that James and John, that their, that their mommy came and talked to Jesus and, and asked for a good spot. And so there's a little bit of dissension going on. The disciples are, are kind of frustrated now. 
And so Jesus calls all of the disciples together and he says, okay guys, let's have a talk. I'm going to teach you something. I'm going to teach you a lesson about my kingdom. But it's time to talk. Come with me into verse number 25. I'm in Matthew chapter 20, verse number 25. Jesus says this. But Jesus called them to him and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them? It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first must be your slave. Trust me, the disciples knew exactly what a slave was, what a servant was. You and I might know about the slave trade from American history. We can read stories. We can, we can see how it affects us now. But then they would have known about it firsthand. They would have literally knew people who were slaves. And, and here Jesus is telling his 12 disciples that you must stoop to the position of a servant of a slave? How confusing is that? See, the disciples, if you are to partner with somebody who's going to build a new kingdom, there's a thought, hey, there's a new kingdom coming. There's a new ruler coming. If I partner with this guy early on, then, you know, I might be able to live in the palace. Might be able to eat the good food, sleep in a bed with people waving palm branches, right? The, the, this human ceiling fan. It's probably not exactly what the disciples had in mind, but there's a good chance that they did not expect to be put into slavery either for following Jesus. Jesus said, to be a leader in my kingdom, you're not going to get the privileges that other leaders in other kingdoms get. That's not what this kingdom of, is about. Look what Jesus finally says in verse number 28. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Look why he came, not to be served, but to serve. There's so many people in our world, and unfortunately, even some people in the church, not talking this church, but in the church, who come to be served. Some people will come on Sunday for a 40-minute self-help message, and then they'll go straight home to the commands of the world that they just left an hour ago. They bring joy to God by their actions by being here. And maybe they bring joy to God by their actions of, of, of coming and, and, and giving and, and helping out. And then they bring joy and delight to the commander of the culture when they walk out and they go right back under the command of the world and its demands and its ever-changing truths. 
there are some people in our culture, even within the church, that have this idea that Jesus was born, Jesus died, Jesus rose from the dead, we are saved, grace means that I have salvation for free, and I don't owe anything. And you're absolutely right. You don't owe anything for your salvation. It is a free gift. Grace is what is called unmerited favor. We did not earn it. You don't have to pay for it. It's absolutely free. But let me tell you something. You are going to serve who and what you love. Think about the people in your house. Think about the people in your house who you love. I don't know who all lives in your house. But you are going to serve who and what you love. We love Jesus. We have this free gift of salvation. Your love for Christ creates a desire to serve. Let me tell tell you the difference between being a slave to this world and being a slave to Jesus. You can be a slave to this world, but this world doesn't care about you. Jesus does. You can be a slave to this world, and this world may still hate you when Jesus loves you. You can be a slave to this world when this world says, do it my way or you'll be sorry. Or you can be a slave to Jesus and you can say, I'm going to do it his way and I'm not sorry. You can be a slave to the world and you can run every time the phone rings or you can be a a slave to Jesus and you can bring others to meet the king of kings. You can be a slave to this world that has its own ever-changing definition of truth or you can be a slave to Jesus, the one who is the truth. Amen? Amen? You can be a slave to this world, a world that is going to move on to the next best thing with or without you. Or you can be a slave to Jesus who says, I'm not leaving here without you. Jesus knew that he wasn't going to be here for very long. So he trained 12 guys to serve others. And they were to go out and train others to serve others all the way down the generations until somebody had the job of training you. Somebody had the job of teaching you how to serve other people without putting people through the filter, your filter of righteousness. And you know what? You have the job of training others to serve others without putting people through the filter of our personal idea of righteousness. See, it's not up to us to decide who we serve. Jesus said to go and serve. Jesus told us to love others and to serve others. Serving others and giving to others is an action that is intentional. It's a verb. It's an action. It's not simply thinking about others. It's not simply 
praying for others. It's not simply remembering others. It's not participating in an awareness month. Awareness is not serving. Serving is doing. Giving is doing. Both giving and serving require a physical action. I want you to turn with me a few chapters in the book of Matthew. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 25. And I want to start in verse 35. Jesus is talking about the final judgment. And he places a special emphasis on our action and our service to others. Jesus says this in verse number 35. He says, For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say this, and you've heard this, I tell you the truth, when you did it to the least of these, to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are doing it to me. Jesus has at this moment, he has separated here is the group of everyone, and he has separated the righteous from the unrighteous. He is having a conversation with the righteous. And they said, when did, we, when did we do that? We don't remember clothing you. We probably would have remembered bringing clothes to Jesus. Think about it. If you actually took a bottle of water to Jesus himself, you would probably remember that, right? Jesus says, when you did it to the least of these, you did it for me. I want you to know something. This is important. It's point number two in your notes this morning. You don't have to know that you're serving Jesus to actually be serving Jesus. With every breath that you take, you are serving a God. There's only one true God. We know that. We've talked about that who can save your soul. That's the Lord Almighty. It's God. It's uppercase G, God. Everything else that wants your attention is a lowercase G, God. Jesus told his disciples, he says, when you serve the least of these, Jesus is recognizing that there is this misconstrued hierarchy that humans have of personal importance. Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. Because the least of these to you is as valuable to me, Jesus says, as you are to me. See, there are no least of these in the kingdom of heaven. On Wednesday night, myself and 10 to 15 other people came here into this room and there were people cleaning, there were people vacuuming, there were people scrubbing toilets, actually, scrubbing the sink and, and, and mopping. And it was very obvious that people were 
serving Jesus by literally cleaning his house, cleaning the church for him. Our service to the Lord, it was actually very easy to recognize on Wednesday. But Jesus isn't talking about serving him directly, like coming and cleaning the church and knowing that this is what I'm doing, I'm serving God. He's talking about serving him indirectly by serving others. Paul writes this to the church in Galatia. This is in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 13. Paul writes, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We often, we, we hone in our, our actions to serving God intentionally. But my question for you this morning is this. Have your habits become behaviors where serving God is now part of everyday actions? Where serving God through serving others is now part of lifestyle? We've talked about the difference in a lifestyle and a Christ style. Intentional service to others becomes habit forming and habits become lifestyles. And serving others becomes a permanent part of your life. Not just because pastor asks for help, but because you realize that with every action you are serving someone, you are serving either God Almighty or you are serving a lowercase God of this world. Either you are serving God or you are not. Those are the options. You have a freedom. You have a freedom to serve whoever you want. You can serve this world. You can serve yourself. You can serve your fleshly desires. You can serve your addictions and lifestyles. You can serve other commanders of your time. And you can accomplish goals that bring delight and bring joy to your friends list. You can accomplish goals that bring joy and delight to, maybe it's a political party. Maybe it's a social issue that, that you're passionate about. But service to anything or anyone other than God is a selfish service. Selfish service, watch this, can also become a behavior and a habit and a lifestyle. We know that there's a difference between, I mentioned this a moment ago, a lifestyle and a Christ style. Serving others and serving God is a Christ style. And in order to create a Christ style of serving others, we must create a lifestyle that is void of serving ourselves. We must create a lifestyle that is intentional in serving others. And in order to create a lifestyle, we have to create a habit. And in order to create a habit, we have to be intentional. I don't know many people that quit smoking accidentally. I don't know many people that came out of an addiction accidentally. 
creating a habit requires intentionality. In order to create a habit of serving others, we must be intentional. I want you to know that serving is not simply judged by I do or I don't, but it's more of I will or I won't. Come back with me to see what Jesus says next. We're in Matthew chapter 25, verse number 41. Then the king will turn to those on his left and he will say, away, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Here's the third point in your notes this morning, and this is so important. To God, the absence of giving and serving is noticed just as much as giving and serving. Did you hear that? To God, the absence of giving and serving is noticed just as much as giving and serving. On Judgment Day, Christ is saying, not only does your giving and your, your service, not only is that recognized, but the absence of serving others and giving is also recognized. We have this misconception in our world that if we don't take the test, that we're not going to fail the test. That's the best way not to get an F on the test, right? Just don't take the test. Be absent that day. Here in the church, giving and serving is still graded. Let me rephrase that. In the kingdom of God, giving and serving is still graded whether you give or you serve or not. It's still recognized. Your financial contributions to the church are known by a very, very small amount of people, yourself being one of them, God being the other one. Your gift is recognized. Your service to others or your lack of service to others in the church or outside the church is also recognized. You can't get lost in a world of not giving and serving when God is in the crowd. You've heard me say this before about our church also. Some of you know this by heart. We are not a, we are not a somebody else church. We don't have the size here to rely on somebody else. Somebody else is not going to pay our rent for this facility. Somebody else is not going to clean the church. Somebody else is not going to show up with a name tag that says somebody else and go and visit the sick. Somebody else is not going to fix the trailer when it breaks down. We don't have somebody named somebody else who is going to vacuum the floor. In the church, there is no such thing as somebody else. There is only such thing as me. Look at what the Apostle Peter says in Peter chapter 4, verse number 10. He says this, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another 
as good stewards of God's very grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. To him belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. If you have a gift, use it for God. You know what the Bible says? You have a gift. You might not recognize what it is. You have a gift. Jesus trained these 12 guys, and he trained them to serve others. When he left, when Jesus rose back into heaven, the work that Jesus was doing was now to be done through his people. That's how God works. He works through his people. How will they know if there is nobody to teach them? He works through his people. How will they eat if there is nobody to feed them? He works through his people. Some of you might know what a litany is. It's a series of verse and congregational responses that are common in some churches. Not so much, not so common here. But I'm actually going to put one up on the screen for you today. And I'm going to tell you that to, you're going to do your part if you choose to. And you can read and you can do your part. And if it touches you, you can stand and you can read this loud if you want to. I'm going to put it on the screen here and tell you what you're going to say. But do me a favor. I only want you to repeat this if you mean it. If you don't mean it, feel free to stay in your seat. That's fine. God says this. He says, my people hunger for living signs of my love for them. Who shall I send? And his children respond and say this. It's coming up on the screen in a minute. It says, here I am, send me. God says, my people are weary and they long for encouragement as they labor at tasks. With few stopping to, to thank them, who should I send? And his children says, here I am, send me. God says, my people yearn to have their giftedness called forth in the service of love. Whom shall I send? And his children say, here I am. Send me. God says, my people live in an age that prizes individualism and starves their need to contribute to something bigger than themselves. Who shall I send? And his children say, here I am. Send me. God says, my people thirst for leaders who reveal me as a God of hope, of a God of, who accompanies them in their struggles and their pain. Who shall I send? And his children say, here I am. Send me. God says, my people long for leaders who have, who have tasted their brokenness and learn to serve with humility and joy. Whom shall I send? And his children say, here I am, send me. He says, my people's eyes and hearts search for role models who honor my presence in the poor. 
the hungry and the grieving, the peacemakers and those wrongly persecuted for my sake. Whom shall I send? And his children say, here I am, send me. Finally, I want you to read what Jesus said to those who refused to serve. Come back with me into Matthew. We're in chapter 25, verse number 45. Jesus says this. And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. Watch this. Here's the fourth point in your notes this morning. Refusing to serve God and others is an intentional decision. Refusing to serve God and others is an intentional decision. There is no such thing as accidentally refusing to serve the Lord. You know, that's an excuse that is even deeper than, oh, I lost track of time, sorry. Right? At least losing track of time, sorry, is recognizing that I needed to serve at a certain time. Refusing to serve God is an intentional decision. You might think it's a default decision. No, it's an intentional decision. Some of us, some of us are ready for our next step in service that puts us in front of others, maybe leading a team, maybe leading a small group at church. But some of us may be in the early stages of our Christian walk, and our service comes down to simply being in obedience to the Lord first. Let me ask this. How can we lead others if we are out of alignment and obedience ourselves? Make sense? Fair? Sometimes education and obedience are the way that we serve God for now. Coming back into alignment with God's will. Education and obedience, those are actions. They require intentionality. And some service to the Lord is going to require obedience that is uncomfortable because obedience to God absolutely requires change. And that's going to take us out of our comfort zone. When we tell Jesus, I don't want to, it is an intentional decision of refusing. When Jesus is there, we would remember if he was the one that we gave water to, that we gave clothes to, right? Would re- he, we remember if he is the one that we refused to clothe? If he is the one that we, we refused to serve? Jesus never asked us if we wanted to serve. He simply gave us directions. He gave us rules to live by. And he lets us make our own decisions. That's what comes with Christian freedom. The rules and the Christian lifestyle, the boundaries of spiritual morality, these that we live by under the Bible's guidance, they weren't put in place to confine us, rather they were put in place to protect us. 
when we are serving Jesus, it means that our eyes, that our mind, that our heart is focused on Jesus. When we serve the world or we serve ourselves, that means that our eyes and our mind and our hearts are focused on lowercase g gods or even maybe ourselves. I wonder what our lives would look like if we were a slave to serving others. I wonder what our lives would look like if we were a slave to biblical obedience. I wonder what our lives would look like if we went to our master, if we went to Jesus and we asked him every time, what would you like me to do next? Who would you like me to serve next? I wonder what our lives would look like if we broke out of the slavery and broke out of the, the selfishness that we have become comfortable with and, and we simply came into a Christ style of obedience and service to others. It'd probably be a little bit different look at our lives. So let's address this. Let's address the service in the Lord's church. If you are looking to change your life, there is nothing better that you can do than to get deeply involved in obedience and service to the Lord's church. But let me tell you, let me warn you about doing this. Getting deeply involved in the church is going to change your life. If you don't want your life to change, don't get involved in the church because it absolutely comes with a changed life. Coming closer to Christ will change your life. To grow, to serve. When you're ready to, to, to be obedient, if you see that this is an area in your life that, that you could grow in, when you're ready to say, here, am, here I am. Here I am, I'm ready. I promise you there is something here for you.